Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And we are not just blowing smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. I'm here today with my cadre of co-hosts, Paul, Nick, and Dave. Hey, hey, everybody. And we're joined by very special guest, Mark Mormar, the East Coast Sales Manager for Allowed DC Distribution Group. Hello, Mark. Hello, hello. How are you, Padre? Gentlemen? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I much appreciate it. We're very glad to have you here. Absolutely. Now, I know uh, Allowed DC Distribution Group sounds very... Amorphous. What what is it that they do? So, the DC Distribution Group is a um, a, a subcategory for the DC Enterprises. The DC mm-hmm. Enterprises encompasses um, SmokingPipes.com, mm-hmm. which was the very first of the ventures of Sykes Wilford who started this whole process. Um, you know. It, and I just very, very briefly, in 1999, he had been, he was studying at Vanderbilt, worked at a tobacco shop, mm-hmm. noticed that there were places to buy cigars online, but not for pipes. And everybody sort of laughed and said, well, you can't sell pipes online. Mm. Um, but he's got a very interesting sort of mind that challenges and analytics and how to figure out small little things um, are what he thrives on. And he realized, well, the whole point of, so he's a pipe guy. Mm-hmm. You want to touch them and feel them and get a sense of, you know, what an actual pipe is. And so what he did that was a little bit revolutionary at the time, quite frankly, was to literally photograph in quite detail every single pipe so that you could still choose, you know, even if there were a line of, say, Savinelli and Piros and there were 10 of them, you could look at all 10 of them from different angles and choose the one out of those that you wanted instead of just saying, pull one off the shelf, right? Right. Um, that started to really grow and in part to sort of feed that machine um, in um, first in 2004, they bought a cigar shop in Long, they're based in Long, South Carolina, okay. which is just outside of Middle Beach, yep. a brick and mortar shop there that had existed, Low Country Cigar, they purchased um, since they're in retail anyway, but sort of feed at first the Smoking Pipes uh, website Savinelli was doing their own distribution in the U.S. and their manufacturers. That wasn't what they did well and realized that we were probably selling more pipes than they were in the U.S. <laughs> um, came to uh, Sykes and that's when La DC Enterprises sort of was really born as the U.S. distributor for Savinelli. Um, and then it started to grow, having now have sort of a, a wholesale division um, then they acquired in 2012 Cornell and Deal Tobaccos okay. and moved it from North Carolina to South Carolina. Um, in 2018, uh, then we acquired Peterson Pipes, Captain Peterson mm-hmm. out of Dublin. So we own the brand and the factory now and the shop that's in, in Dublin as well. And over that period of time, also came to um, either own or distribute other brands. Um, the GLPs line from Greg Pease, uh 
the Briarworks tobaccos we manufacture and distribute for them. There's there's ten tobaccos that we we now distribute. Cornell and Deal sort of being the center of, of that. Sure, that's um, awesome. And it's all it's all sort of based on it's a it's a really interesting company in that everything is on a very personal sort of a level. Um, the name even comes from an obscure Italian play and one particular character in that play who was named uh, it was uh, Lorenzo Lavisi. It's it's all about perceived realities, and his point is that reality is whatever it is you decide it actually is. It mm-hmm. can be unique to you, mm-hmm. um, and that almost pervades the whole whole company. The idea is that we sort of work as a family. We're not an enormous company. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's a lot of communication and the ability to say, um, you know. My perception on this is a little bit different from the way we present, we've been presenting it, maybe whether it's online or as a distributor. Let's have a conversation about that and see if my perception now matches everybody else's and can we maybe tweak it to make it a little bit better. Um, so it's, it's a little different sort of a place. And we yeah. approach things very differently, I think, from many in the pipe, cigar, and tobacco worlds in that we feel really beholden to our customer base, whether it's the retailers themselves or the end user, and making sure that whatever we're doing is servicing them. It's not about just sales. It's about how can we help build certain categories? How can we make tobaccos better and different? Um, and it's something that now we're approaching when we're sort of rebuilding the Peterson brand too. Our initial mm. efforts this last year have really been in getting that factory to what it really was, not just to maintain the history of the brand, but as pipe people, we feel as if we are uh, truly trying to um, maintain and build something that is true to the brand, but also is true to us as an organization. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's sort awesome. of a little bit long-winded. But bit, <laughs> I apologize. But it's I'm very good. This you know, out. It's not. It's not. But it's not a household name. No, that's know, true. Right. So it's it's good to get a little of that out. Now you know, um, for those of you who are listening out there, Mark is also a cigar guy, and we're going to start off with our cigar review, and we are doing this week the Micarita Tricky Traca. Tricky Traca. Tricky Traca. Number 648, and Sam Van Winkle has a drink for us. Is that what we're calling him now? Yes, Sam Van Winkle. I thought it was Sam. gone as Sam the Barman? No, no, Sam the Barman is gone. It's not Sam Van Winkle. Sam Van Winkle. Tonight, Sam is bringing us the cigar cocktail. Kendra is bringing us the pipe cocktail. And it's going to be the Potion Master versus Sam Van Winkle. Who will come out on top? What is this, so Sam? What are we drinking? So what is this that you Wait, have? Dis- me, that you is have- it a white Russian? <laughs> nice try. Damn. <laughs> what was a white Russian? A little what more you- interesting than that. What What have you brought us, sir? So I designed this specifically around what you guys were told You know, told me you were smoking. I wanted something that was going to have enough of a backbone to keep up, but I wanted some fall flavors, some spice, and things like that. So I got, got to experimenting, and this is kind of what came out of that. So what you're looking at is, <laughs> right, again, not, not quite Starbucks here. Woo! Wow! Got a little kick, right? That's got a little spice, spice but it's smooth. Mm-hmm. It's got some oh, body. God, that's fantastic. Right? It doesn't really stick in your mouth long, right? Yeah, yeah, so I wanted to round wow. this out. So what you're drinking is, it's quite a concoction, really. It's, 
Jeremiah weed sarsaparilla <laughs> bourbon, uh, equal parts with pie hole apple pie bourbon, mm-hmm. equal parts uh, bullet rye. That's what's giving you that that heat in the afterburn mm-hmm. there, right? Oh, right? A half ounce of rum chata, a half ounce of half and half, and a half ounce of root beer. Yeah, wow. Right? <laughs> right? Kendra who? Yeah. Shot fired. Sam Edmonds going for the title. He's not holding back. And then that's all topped off just a little sprinkle of cinnamon on top. Gives you a nice God, nose. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Sam, this is fantastic. Excellent. Good. Awesome. Awesome. That's a really good cinnamon. <laughs> the sprinkle of cinnamon really adds a lot. Wow. Right? Yeah, you get that little shit on the nose. Yeah. It prepares the palate. Yeah. It, tastes right? like, right? it tastes like apple pie a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Alcoholic apple pies. Right? <laughs> so I jumped the gun a little bit on fall drinks, but I think this is going to fit in real well, and I think it does pretty well. Here. Well, the leaves are changing, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. slowly but surely. We're heading in that direction. Wow. Mm-hmm. Not the hell we drink. Good. I'm glad. That's guys. awesome. Ooh. Enjoy, enjoy. Make it at home. Awesome. Right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to sleep downstairs. <laughs> wow. Sleep in the walk-in. It's got to be People, wild. Kendra has her work cut out for her today. <laughs> oh, wow. If she wants to retain her title and hold on to that belt of the Potion Master, she's got to come up with something fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All I want to do is talk about the drink. Well, let's talk a little bit about the cigar. The, uh, this is the uh, Mikarita, um, which literally translates into my dearest that does. in uh, Saka's Spanglish. <laughs> He's not exactly known for being correct in his Spanish, but he does whatever he wants because he's Steve Saka. All right. And um, so. the Tricky Traka gets its name from a Nicaraguan term for firecrackers that are tied together. And this blend was um, it, the blend, it, and it's not quite the same, but it's a tweaked version of the blend that he used to do the firecracker for uh, David Garofalo and two guys, which uh, he did last year. So that was a limited release there. He asked permission to make that into a new blend to expand his line. And uh, whether Dave uh, gave him permission or not, I don't know. He's Steve Saka, so he does what he wants. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so what you have here is a stronger, more kick version of the Mi Carita. It has a number one dark Corona Connecticut broadleaf. Uh, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan, and Dominican Lajero in the filler. And it's that Lajero that really kind of gives this the extra kick. It is a 6x48. It is the number 648. That's where it gives it the size of the cigar. What are we thinking about this cigar that we are smoking? I'm going to come right out and say, when I was cutting and lighting this up, it's the first time I've ever had this. I got a little bit of that sweetness right off the bat. I mean, mm-hmm. just as I was putting it in my mouth and getting ready to light it, and, and it, it gave me a little bit of that reminiscence of when we first tried the Sober Mesa Brulee, mm-hmm. where it was sweet-tipped. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just wondering if this is has a little bit of a sweet tip to it, because it, it just had this overwhelming sweetness right from the beginning, and it stuck with me for the first minute or so. Now, um, you... Do you think it could be the sweetness from your drink? No, because I was I lit this up before I got the drink. Oh, you lit the, you yeah. lit it up before. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think there is. Uh, I don't I taste any. I didn't get any, I didn't get any sweetness from it. No, well, I think I, I think you're probably getting that from the wrapper because yeah. you know as as 
opposed to a lot of dark rappers when the the Connecticut broadleaf when they when they age these the longer that you that you age the tobacco very often the sweetness will become enhanced with mm-hmm. the darkness as long as you're not getting it to there reaches a point where yeah. you know diminishing returns yeah. if you get it right um, and you'll I think you'll see this also in the pipe tobacco that we're gonna that we'll smoke later mm-hmm. um, and we can talk about what's yeah, happening sure. in there too but it's also the the when you get to almost an overripe state, yeah, the sweetness can, can come out, and so I'm getting it more on the tip of my tongue than I, yeah. I am. Too. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's mostly from the wrapper. Just when I lit it, the first thing that hit me, you know, I got that too. Although on the yeah. the the dry draw, mm-hmm. I wasn't. I could taste that on my tongue that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The draw itself, for me anyway, was. Um, Really earthy. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and I didn't look at the notes to see what was in it. But as soon as I lit it, that lihero hit. Oh yeah, right? you taste oh, the lihero like yeah, immediately. Yeah, it really it's less right than now, yeah. now that it's burning a little bit, yeah. but right. that lihero hit it's right off the top. Yeah. yeah, spicy, sweet, pepper, smoothness. It just got. It's got it all. I got right some now. leather in there. Did anybody else get leather? Yeah, I'm getting a yeah. lot of earth. I got some out. leather. I can taste it on like the sides of my mm. on my palate, the sides of my tongue. Right, it's like sitting there. Earth, sweetness. Yes. Yep. Spice. spice. Yep. Yeah. yeah the spice, spice is the one thing I'm not getting. On. Really? Try retrohaling it. It's oh god, it's absolutely there. Oh, the retro. Forget it. Yeah. Burn your nostrils, baby. Yep. Pepper. A little pepper. Yep. It's there. Mm. And then with the drink. Oh my god! Now is this so? My palate when I smoke cigar, I tend to smoke very strong cigars, and so <laughs> my palate when it comes to lighter one isn't there. Are you like I got that lihero immediately yeah. on, on the light? But to me, and I can taste the lihero still, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like an overpoweringly yeah. strong lihero. Isn't like I almost expected. Okay, this is going to be a really really strong smoke. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm used to some really strong cigars, so yeah. I don't know whether or not it's you know, sort of tampered down a little bit for me. No, I don't think I don't think this is a super over the top cigar. I I'd say it's medium plus. Yeah, yeah. Would I'd we all agree with that? Plus. Uh, to me, this is not a a full body. Full. No, full I, was, I I I feel like um, well, it's a broad leaf too, and I, I I feel like I just get a little bit different. It just tastes a little bit different than like a charter oak. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's... Well, what the, oh, the, the charter oaks don't have lajero in them either. No, that's but, what I mean, like, the difference, but it, it's like... You know what I mean? It's like, they're not, they're not a, they're most definitely not a full body cigar, right? No, no, but no. that's not... But you almost expected it to be, right? Looking yeah, at it and, looking at it... Yeah, yeah. And if you read the description, you know, filler right. Nicaraguan Dominican lajero, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to... Yeah, right. if you're expecting to get yeah. knocked on your butt. This is this is not that. Not but a cigar for that, no. But it's, you know, and I think... Steve, you know, he's not about making a cigar that's so strong. That he, he likes balance. Oh yeah, absolutely. He likes he likes things to be Smoking. very full flavored, and he, this was meant to be a more full bodied cigar. You know, the the Mikarita is a beautiful medium bodied smoke. It's very chocolatey. It's there's yeah. some coffee notes to it, earthy notes, and that's all just kind of ramped up in this, mm-hmm. uh, along with that little kick. That the Lajero brings to it. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a kick there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your hands are shaking. 
<laughs> it's definitely a kick. Just wait till, just, just wait till I get to the second third. Get to the half, and he's like, um, so I'm really interested in. I mean, we're obviously this is you know a decent sized cigar. We're probably not going to get through the whole thing sitting here for the podcast. That's what the after show is for. Yes. But I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm curious <laughs> to see how this is going to change, if at all, as we get to sort of the finish, because only because. You know the the triki traka is it, it's a specific type of firecracker mm-hmm. that I know of in in Nicaragua, mm-hmm. and the idea of it is that you have an, a really really long fuse, right? And so you're letting it sort of burn. There's almost this anticipation, and then even the firecracker at first it begins to sort of sparkle like that. There's weight before there's the boom, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm curious to see if it gets stronger exactly. Yeah. If, you know, it's a sort of lulling us in a little bit and say, hey, this is a medium cigar. And then yeah, all of a sudden you yeah. get to the last third and you go, yeah. okay. Oh, so I, I smoked one the other day, I'll be honest. <laughs> oh. And, and I, 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 that's, yes. I liked it the more it got, as the more I went along. Like the last part of it was, was, was really good. Okay. So it's good, in what, good in what way though? Like, well, like I felt like, the, like at the beginning it felt kind of boring to me and I was like, wow, you know, I thought this was, Whatever, and it just smelled like it tasted like a lot of earth with a little leather, and and that was it. And I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's not that complex, whatever. And then it got to the end, near the end of it, and I was just like, I couldn't put it down. So like when we when we did the Superfly a couple Superfly. weeks ago, Superfly. Here we go it again. started off as a medium <laughs> smoke, and then as we were progressing through it, it started to go a little bit more medium, medium full, and then by the time we got to like close to the end of it, it really was you know full body. Yeah. So it could very well end up being the same way. And that's very interesting because the, the Mikorita firecracker started off with that big bang and then kind of calmed down and became more of a Mikorita. Yeah. You know, uh, so this has that extra zing in it right from the top. But um, uh, I'm anxious to see, along with Mark, whether or not this thing gets stronger as we go. All right, mate. Mine's just kind of. Hovering at medium, medium plus. Okay. You could taste all the, you know, the, the Nicaraguan and the Lajero in there, and it's kind of nice, even, nice, even balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a little bit of the spice, but then like the aftertaste of the leather and the earth is, is really nice. I hope it gets stronger. I really, really hope it gets stronger. I really want it to just punch me. I in just the really face. want to get punched in the face. I really want it to really just want this sneak up on me. I do. I want it to like sneak up on me and just be like, ha ha, I gotcha. You know what I mean? Something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm. like the Todos Las Dias that Steve Saka makes. That thing is just. That's a, that, that's a powerful that's a full I love that plus. That's, that's, a, I that's, love that's that something stock. you have to have with something in your stomach. Mm. Absolutely. That's, that's an after First time I had that, I, I was like fresh out of the gym. <laughs> no food in my stomach for like seven <laughs> hours. And I was just like, I smoked it all the way down to the band. And I was sitting at my house and I sat there for like two and a half hours. And I was, I was like, oh God, what did I do? Like, I was hurting, but it was good, though. It, Steve makes really good cigars. Whether it's a really strong cigar like the Todos Las Dias, to his brulee, mm-hmm. to the Sobre Mesa, to the Mi Querida. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know what I mean? He makes really good cigars, and he makes it with, you can tell he makes it with his heart. 
You no, know, he does. Is is it's really nice. Oh, man. I love his Mikarita line. It's fantastic. Um, I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot more leather at this point. Yep. That's really kind of picked up. The earth is kind of pulled back. Um, I'm still getting that kind of zing, but strength wise, so far it's staying about the same. Yeah, it's like I definitely yeah, agree with yeah. you on that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's um, just a little bit of a mellow smoothness. It nicely. is it's evening mm-hmm. out. It's yeah, it's very, it's very even, which is not. I mean, mm-hmm. you could smoke this during the day and not keel over, over. <laughs> not, not keel over, but not, also not get bored because the flavor is still it's there. still there, right? Yeah, it's Even though it's mellowing a little bit, cigar. yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, it is. It yeah. Is. yeah, but not so much so that it's sort of like as as we're drinking here too. The um, it's certainly not overpowering the drink. It's not, and at no. the same time, the drink, which we know has got a lot in there, as you described, um, <laughs> is not overpowering the cigar either. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they're, they're sort of complementary. Yeah, they're complementing e- each other nicely. Yeah, I um, in a way that makes it both drinkable and smokable yeah. without being completely now, aware of either one of them. How, how does the um, cinnamon in the drink? Pair with the cigar. It's that bite. I, I would think. Do you it's think that it, a little bit? I feel like it's the bite of the drink, it's, and then you get the bite. Of you the get a little cigar. bit of the, that cinnamon bite that you get in the tip of your tongue with the drink, and then when you get the, the cigar, I think that spice, especially when you retrohale, mm-hmm. you get that spice on the retrohale. That's quick and fun, and it's just real quick, and then it's gone, mm-hmm. and then you get the aftertaste of the leather and the earth. It just kind of sits on your palate a little bit and just kind of stays there. Yeah, it's just kind of a deep sweetness. It is. Yeah. That's one thing it hasn't left is the sweetness. It's just, it's just there. It's just, it's subtle though. It's not, it's not. No, and I I do think it's from the wrapper. I think that, I think the wrapper on this cigar is top grade and, and, um, it was just in the beginning, though. Like I said, it just in the beginning. It just kind of reminded me of, 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 again, on a very small scale of what the brulee uh, with the experience we had with the brulee, but again, mm-hmm. I know that, that was a completely different cigar. Right. All right. Yeah, the, the the sweetness is sort of um, a little bit unexpected because you look. I mean, it is dark. Mm-hmm. It's not quite Maduro, but you almost expect the Maduro aspect of it. Yeah. Which doesn't give you that sweetness. It doesn't. You know, matter. so it it's mm-hmm. a nice choice for a wrapper, which is which is not always common anymore. You know, the wrapper mm-hmm. is sometimes an afterthought in terms of. The look of the cigar, and as opposed to the overall flavor profile. Yeah. So one of the things I'm getting too is smoking it a second time, but not only smoking it a second time with a group of people, is helping me look for different things that you were all describing that maybe I didn't get the first time, and it's it's bringing out more things to me because now I'm paying attention to different things. <coughs> so uh, I think that's important too. Is it's always try a cigar twice. Oh yeah, absolutely, and change your environment. Sure, you know. Yeah. Well, that's why when I'm smoking a pipe, I prefer to do it amongst you, gentlemen, because you guys are more seasoned than I am. And I don't I'm, know about I'm, that. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's for a seasoned citizen. It's, <laughs> it's forcing me to, to really kind of sit back and, and say, am I picking up these flavors? And, and, you know, I would say nine times out of ten after, after you know, Drawing it in and letting it, you know, sit for a while, I can actually get that. So, but again, it, it's your palate. My palate is not where yours is as far as pipe tobacco, but it's getting there. 
Yeah, well, it'll, and it'll get there pretty yeah. quick too because yeah. it's 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 not, you know, there's there's a, so many commonalities between one and the other. But you know, Dave, you bring up a, I think a really good point, and and you know, kind of like, let's let's take golf as an example. You can watch golf all you want, see these masters play, and you can watch Tiger Woods and make these incredible shots and everything. But you're never going to be a good golfer until you actually start playing golf. True. And you're probably not going to be really good unless you can play golf with people who are really good. That's that's how you learn. And so when one of the ways to learn to appreciate cigar smoking or pipe smoking is to do it with people who know what they're talking about so that you can learn to do it. Because it is a, it is a learned thing. It's, it's an education process. It's yeah, exper- it is experimental, experiential process and being able to be guided through that by people who uh, have the vocabulary to explain what they're tasting and smelling and feeling as they smoke the cigar can really help you find the words to, uh, to explain what you're tasting or to, like you said, start looking for things that you were not experiencing. Now that brings up my next question for you, Dave, mm. my little Padawan, oh, oh. is <laughs> having heard these other flavors <clears throat> and aromas that we've talked about, are you picking those up too, or are you picking up different things, or are you wondering whether we're on crack? <laughs> what, well, I already knew that, but... Don't, um, don't say salt. No, no, Besides no. The salt. You are not allowed to use the word salt. <laughs> it is banned from your vocabulary. Um, well, that being said, not all palates are equal. <laughs> that is true. That's true. That is true. So, um, you know, like right when we were getting so ready much, for the we, right when we were smoking ready cigarettes, show, basically marred my ability to do anything. We had a, we had a couple of kids outside, and they were like, Are you Mr. Salt? He's the salt guy. He's the salt guy. And I'm like, yes, salt guy. And they're like, I don't taste it. And I'm like, fair enough. You know, everybody's palate, uh, yeah. And uh, everybody's palate is uh, is not is not the same. No, no. So, but um, no. Like when we were talking about the sweetness, I started mm-hmm. focusing on it. And I can feel it, you know, as soon as I touch the the, uh, uh, the wrapper, that's coming to me. Um, but uh, it's definitely, I think you guys are going to like this as well. But a lot of earthiness. A lot, a lot of, that's what I'm, I'm picking up more of the earth, I think, than anything else. For me, earthly. All right. You're, you're a bit farther along than everybody else. You're I'm like, trying both this thing. <laughs> you're... You're halfway through. Is it getting any stronger for you? Yes, I would. I would say this is definitely a medium plus for me. Okay, so it's going from a medium, maybe medium plus. plus, to definitely plus. Hmm. Definitely a medium plus. What about you, Paul? You're about. You're about. Uh, full third into it. it. It hasn't picked up too much intensity. Maybe just a slight bit. So I will agree. Medium plus. I'm getting a lot of uh, earthy notes. Um, and leather. The spice is kind of taking the back seat a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wait, waiting to see if that might pick up as we you know, progress further. But Try uh, the retrohale. I have. And it, 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 <laughs> absolutely. So the retrohale is picking me because everything in there is so raw anyways. It, mm-hmm. It's 
it's without a doubt that's where you're getting your spice from. But it, uh, yeah, this is uh, it's a very smooth, uh, well balanced cigar. Oh yeah, for sure. This thing is extremely well balanced. You get everything. For me, I get everything kind of all almost like a wave it just kind of crashes right on my palate you get the, the the spice right up front right at the tip of my tongue yeah it's not salt um, <laughs> <Live>. <laughs> and you get the spice and then right after you get the wave of the earth and a little bit of that leather that sits on the side of my palate mm. and it's just it's ridiculously smooth Mm. You get the heaviness, I think, from the Lajero that gives you that strength behind it. Mm-hmm. You get that as the aftertaste. Um, and you can you obviously you can tell uh, we smoke a lot of cigars, so we know what the Lajero tastes like. So for me, it's just like, okay, you get the, the, the little bit of the spice, then you get the earthiness, you get the leather, and then you get the Lajero right in the back of it. And it just kind of sits there. It's just kind of... Well, let's spell that out for yep. people who, you know, like... <laughs> Like Dave, like Dave, <laughs> may not quite know what Lajero tastes like. When you say I taste Lajero, what is it you're tasting? Um, let me take a cup. This segment has been brought to you by Salt. <laughs> Have you guys discussed it all? That's um, Mister Salt to you. <laughs> um, for your listeners, about you know what Lajero actually is, and we say not just what it tastes like, but what it is in terms of the plant and, you know, the different variations. No, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you talk about that while Nick is huffing and puffing and smacking his Yeah, lips. I mean, so, you know, when it comes to, to when it comes to tobacco world, particularly cigars, um, obviously where a plant grows, um, you're, there aren't too many variations on cigar plants, where you put them in the atmosphere, the soil, how long you cure it, and which way you cure it is going to change the flavors, but it's pretty much universal that the different parts and leaves of the plant going from top to bottom each have different sort of characteristics. And so like here are the leaves at the top of the plant. I mean, everybody in this room knows, but the, and probably right. your listeners do too, but just as a reminder, the top of the plant, the smallest leaves... Um, which have the, the, the strongest flavor profile as opposed to the bottom of the plant. We have the broadest leaves where a lot of the flavor is now gone. Mm-hmm. We are using for wrappers because they are, and, and in a lot of instances, that, that part of a plant, like in the pipe tobacco world, is actually what will get sold to the cigarette companies to right. make into because there isn't a, a ton of flavor in it. It's not as much value to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the strength of whatever is happening in that plant, each generation of the plant also will improve upon itself. But you're going to get this, the, the strongest, most intense vegetal flavors at first if you didn't cure it. Um, and then once you right. do, a lot of that still gets maintained. So there's a lot of strength in that, right? Right. Nice. So now that you've had a few minutes, what do you taste? Exactly what I said before. So the, you so, taste so to try to, it's, it's, <laughs> well, if for, for me, I know I've, I've smoked a lot of cigars. Uh, you know, my first strong cigars were, you know, uh, DL700s and uh, double From figures. From the Dominicanas. Yeah, yeah. Dominicana. Um, stuff like that where they have, you know, a really good amount of Lajero in there. Um, the NAS. Which so is, it's it's the pepper? It's, it's pepper, it's, it's spice. Not, it's it's not, well, it, I think it varies from cigar to cigar. Yeah. But it's that one initial, it's hard for me to describe because it's 
I've it's the only thing that I can't um, describe in a regular flavor. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I got leather, I got earth, I know what that tastes like. But the one thing that I taste that's strength there, mm-hmm. and I can't really match it with any type of food product or anything like that, would be the Lajero. And it's like a almost like a tangy taste to it, mm. in my in my opinion. And that's how I can point out if the the Lajero that's in there. You know yeah, I, mean? I think I think that's probably almost as accurate as you can get because yeah. you're talking about strength versus uh, mostly strength, yeah. right. you know, with some variations of different sorts of flavors, but mostly strength um, in in the power and the fullness of mm-hmm. a smoke versus a slightly different flavor profile. Right. Right. Right? right. As you go down the plant, you're not all of a sudden going to get a different sort of flavor. It's still the same plant. Right. right. So you can take all the leaves from the plant, mix them up, and if you're putting most of the hair, what you're going to get is some power to it, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily a new flavor profile. And, and I think that's what we've sort of come to expect with the cigar world is that you know the we're talking about how strong is the cigar, you know, the overall flavor and how it's blended, and is it mixing mm-hmm. well? Am I getting you know certain characteristics, whether it's earthiness or, or leather or other sorts of things? Um, but I, I, we tend to, or at least I do talk about, um, you know, strength and power and, and the intensity of it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Paul, you're awfully quiet. Mm. It's just, I'm, I'm just uh, amazed that this guy really hasn't crept up more. I, I, I guess my expectation was that when we started this, it would probably be, you know, medium, medium plus, and then increase as it went. Okay. <laughs> and it really hasn't. It's been maintaining like a medium plus. You know, it's got you know some nice bold uh, flavors of earth. Sure, obviously leather, spice, but it has not uh, you know crept up at all. Yeah. So uh, it, this is you know, kudos to Steve. This has been a, a very smooth, uh, well balanced cigar. It really has. So can I ask you guys a question? When you're smoking a cigar, particularly a larger mm-hmm. ring gauge, mm-hmm. um, are are you hoping or? Or wanting there to be some changes in strength or flavor, um, or if you find something that's working well, you just want it to maintain that, or does it at some point become boring if you're smoking for a really long time and there's no change in the flavor or strength profile? Generally, when when I'm smoking a cigar, my experience, not with every one of them, but for the ones that I smoke, is that it will start off, you know, very flavorful, you know, with some some intensity, and then it will increase in the intensity as it goes. So I'm more of a medium full to full body cigar smoker. Um, so generally, that's what I get. And again, if you go to like the Oliva V's or uh, the uh, Ellie Wense, the original, the Corojo wrapper, those are very flavorful cigars. But there's a, there is intensity, and specifically that intensity will pick up as you progress through it. Mm. This has it. This, well, this I think really you happens. mentioned the ring yeah. gauge because that's important. Correct. The ring gauge, when you when you double the ring gauge, you have double the filler. More air Four times through. the filler than you do. Correct. So when you're smoking a smaller ring gauge, you're getting more of the wrapper. And and it's more of a, you can actually get more of a flavor depending on how they balance it. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's what I think. You might have been getting at. Is yeah, I mean, I guess I'm. I'm guess I'm wondering because um, I don't. Sm- I mean, I know guys who smoke like seven by seventies, and yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, to me, it sounds like it would get boring at a certain point. Yeah, and I wonder whether or not, like for me personally, when I 
if I change Vitol, I usually smoke a larger cigar, either like a double Corona or I really enjoy pyramids. Um, mm. And, you know, especially with pyramid, you're going to get, because of the tapering in cigar, it's going to change its profile, right? Sure. At some point. It, yep. um, and I actually, I look for that. Mm-hmm. But when I change a Vitola, say, to something smaller, I'm either looking for the fact that I don't have as much time to smoke, mm-hmm. so I just want something small that I don't want to waste, or in that I'm looking for a particular flavor that's going to last for whatever, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. um, and I just enjoy that flavor, and that's all I need out of it. But with a larger Vitola, I might be thinking... I want something, but I want it to change. I'm going to smoke for an hour, and so I don't want the same experience. So even if it's a cigar that I enjoy, I want to feel some sort of change. You want some complexity there. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But not everybody feels that way, right? True. They love that right. one particular flavor, and it should stay. So that's why I'm, I'm asking yeah. just from a personal perspective. Are you looking well, for, for something that you love or something yeah, that changes? Well, well, for me, just like Paul, I love, I, I do tend to lean more towards Maduro's, medium, medium plus cigars. But I'm kind of all over the board. Um, I, it depends on how I feel that day, whether I want something that I know that's going to change halfway through, that's going to be more exciting, or, um, that's going to give me a little bit more flavor, a little bit more zing, or it could be, you know, something that's going to give me, you know, what this is giving me, you know, the, the Lajero, the earth, uh, the leather, the spice throughout, and it's not going to change. Like, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't really care too much about um, the the cigar changing or anything like that, but I'm content. It, you know, this cigar, it's a good cigar, I'm content. If it changed, then it changed. But I'm that type of smoker where... It, you know, as it long as I matter. can smoke it, as long as, it, as long as I can light one end and smoke the other, it's on fire. You know yes. what I mean? I'm good. Yeah. But you know what I mean? If it ends up being complex, uh, I'm happy, right? Because it is something new. But something like this, where it, as long as it tastes good to me, as long as it's got richness, as long as it's not gonna go south on me, it's not gonna canoe. I'm happy. And a lot of a lot of smokers are like that. And a lot of smokers, like you said, you know, they they look for you know. A shorter one for sure. Uh, uh, the time constraints and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm just I'm a, I'm a happy guy. No, if I got I, a cigar, I'm a happy guy. I think I think you hit the nail on the head with using the word complexity. I think that's really what you're kind of getting at. You know, this there's a difference between a cigar that's well balanced and a cigar that has complexity to it, and that complexity, you know, changes as you're smoking the cigar. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind about, uh, you know, uh, of a cigar that people smoke because they want that consistent flavor is Padron. Yeah. You know, Padrones are not very complex cigars. They have this incredible, unique flavor to them that nobody else has really been able to duplicate. No. But, and that's why you smoke it. You smoke it to get that flavor. And so when you, when I smoke a, a Padron 48 or... Um, if I'm blessed with getting a, a Padron 80th, you know, Maduro, oh, oh what a my great God. Cigar. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is. But it's the same taste all the way. And that consistency says something that right. it's the same flavor from start to finish. It's great. But to, to, I, I do like that uh, complexity and I look for that. And one of, one of the cigars that I think just does that. Incredibly, are are the is a uh, Byron, um, 
the Byron Grand, Grand Poima and the White Box, that cigar changes half a dozen times as you smoke it. And it's it just, does. It is freaking amazing. It does. Zeros do that for me. It's not as strong as I normally would go, but that cigar is just, I, I love it because of that complexity to it. Um, it, it, it gets to the point where, you know, we can pick out the flavors on this cigar that the, the Byron Grimm Poema, it's so hard to describe because the flavors are all working so well together. You can't pick them out. Yeah, they're going off on your palate. It's, it's, it's yeah. everywhere. It's a, the it's, cigar is kind of all over the place. And you're once in a while, like the most <sighs> complex cigar that I ever had was the LFD Coronado. Mm. And that cigar, medium body, wasn't their craziest, strongest cigar that the LFD has made. But it was one of the most complex cigars I've ever had. And when you smoke it, it's seven inches long, 60 ring gauge. And that thing is just full of life. It's like a puppy, and you give him a toy. He's kind of everywhere. And it was just, yeah, I know. Wow. It's kind of crazy <laughs> to describe it that way. But that, you know what I mean? But it, for me, that's how, you know, that's how my brain works. Um, but it was everywhere. just it was just everywhere. The flames were, were just popping left and right, left and right. And my brain couldn't keep up with what my palate was trying to tell it. And it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. So are these like Chihuahua puppies or Rottweiler puppies? I'd say yeah. a cross combination between a Rottweiler and a Golden Retriever. I thought he was going to say goat. Kind <laughs> 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 a cross between a Rottweiler and a goat. You know, I would think that would be a bad. Yes, you gotta love those goat eyes. Well, oh, for, uh, for years I, I've been smoking Toros. Yeah, because I think that was probably Toro, the best Toro, of all, Toro. best Toro. of all worlds. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, decent ring gauge. Right. You know, get some nice flavor. You know, some complexity. But as as I really started to experiment with other cigars, I really am favoring more of the sixty ring gauge. You know, the the Grandes and the Toro Huacos, and the, the to me that is really what my palate really desires is because it will change. Mm-hmm. And in the specific the cigars that I really hold dear, near and dear to my heart. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. The last bit of drink. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it, it will start it's okay, off. Okay, <laughs> It it really will. It will change throughout the the smoking experience, and that's really what I like. Mm. Yes. All right. So, what is our final verdict on the uh, Mikarita Tricky Traka by Steve Saka? Uh, two thumbs up for me, man. This thing is. It's a wonderful cigar. Mm. In the beginning, you got that spice, and it kind of calmed down, and it's kind of like even keel with all the taste that you're getting. And it's just, it's delivering mm. in, in tenfold. And it's, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful cigar. Smoke it all day. It's an all-day smoke. Yeah. It has and you been- can't, and it feel, for me, it, it, it feels like you can never get tired of this thing. It's going to deliver and deliver and deliver. It's going to deliver. Time. It's going to deliver. You got the puppies. I got the puppies. I do. Yeah, it has not changed at all in the intensity level here at all. I think we're still picking up that earthy, you know, little, little bit of leather, a little bit of spice. It's it's been consistent, and I think that's the word I'm going to use with a cigar. It's been a consistent uh, experience right from the get go, and I'm entering the the last third right now, and it has just been uh, it's just been a fantastically uh, well balanced cigar. I feel like mine's getting more intense. Speak up, but uh. I feel like mine's getting more intense, but 
down, down that, now that you're into the final third, do you think it's finally picking up? My puppies are growling. <laughs> well, Dan, you're at about the same point that he is yeah. before. How I mean, are is the intensity picked up for you? Maybe a little bit. Um, I I would still say this is a medium plus cigar. I think it started out that way for me. It stayed. It has been very consistent, very consistent, very well balanced. The flavors have been very rich. Yes. And right there, all the way through it, it's a it's a very very good cigar. The the wrapper on this is amazing, and I should say too, uh, the burn and construction on these. As I've been looking around at all five of us smoking, mm. uh, has been great. The ash is great. It's got a nice thin burn line, very straight. None of us have had trouble with uh, keeping it not. lit no. or having it go wrong. Even no. Dave, who was trying to make a canoe, he was not able to. He failed. <laughs> Failed. And he's only got about an inch left on that little sucker. Well, maybe a little bit more than that. No pun intended. <clears throat> this is definitely roach clip worthy. It, it's pipe worthy. And pipe worthy. Hashtag pipe worthy. <laughs> That's my hashtag. That's my hashtag. So what what are your thoughts on this um, pipe master, Mike? I think it's really well constructed. Um, it certainly is nicely balanced. Um, I think... Part of what makes it for me is this wrapper mm. that I would I would that initial hit of Lejero, I kind of was hoping I'd get a little bit more of that as I go along. Sure. Now I'm only you know I'm not nearly as far along as, as the rest of you guys are. No. Um, and so maybe it'll pick up for me a little bit, but I'll just yeah I could I mean I agree with you it's sort of an all day smoke yeah. I would also like it to be if I'm not pairing with somebody if I'm just smoking I probably I would like a little bit more spice yeah the wrapper itself though is adding still keeping that sweetness there so I'm not missing it completely I'm not totally aware of it but if you ask me yeah I'd say yeah just it mellowed to a point that was really nice subtle and subtle and it stayed there. Mm throughout but now i'm feeling like okay i would like i don't know a little bit of something but at the same time it's a cigar that i would pick out and smoke at any point during the day yeah. it might not be a late evening smoke for me necessarily mm-hmm. right you know um because then i'm looking for something to sort of cap my day or, right, meal right, right. or whatever it might be yeah. and you want something mm-hmm. that's that you know is going to punch you in the face maybe yeah um but that's not that's <laughs> not puppies but that's not the quality. I mean, really, if you're buying cigars and you wanted to put them in your humidor and wanted to reach and go, I want something I know that I can smoke pretty much any time. I don't have to think about it. I could pull this out and, and be probably oh, yeah. happy with it. Mm-hmm. What's the MSRP on this, by the way? Do you know? This uh, retails for $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> that's incorrect. <laughs> that, that is a little exaggerated. <laughs> Um, this I believe is uh eleven fifty. Eleven fifty. Eleven fifty. It's price definitely priced price right. Yeah, it's it's, it's a nice it's a nice cigar for Absolutely. that price. Very, very good. Oh, all right. Well here we are, and here is Sam. Sam, Sam. is back. Sam the barman, Sam Van Winkle. Sam, where you been? Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, right. It's been almost an hour since yeah. I made you guys a drink, huh? Oh my gosh, what's uh, what's it where's, time, where's Kendra? Kendra is out tonight with her new pup. Keeping an eye <laughs> on, yeah. 
<laughs> Keeping an eye on the newest member of the family. Really? That she is. She That took precedence over this? It absolutely did. Well, then by default, you win. <laughs> Yay! And Sam I will take that by win. Default. I will Sam take wins that win by, by default. default. No and there problem. was much rejoicing. <laughs> Yay! Why do I feel like I've done this like several times? Because mm. we have done it several times. We have <laughs> done it like several is times. Is that it? Is that really it? Huh. No. You guys must be getting drunk at this point, then, huh? It's great. <laughs> it feels like Groundhog's Day. Mm. All so, right, so anyway. what's, what's, what's in this uh, cocktail that somebody has made for us? So this is times. a patina-fashioned. It mm-hmm. is a creation of our bar manager, Kendra, who we were just speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a play on an old-fashioned, thus the patina-fashioned, right? The, thus the name. It's got our House 724 single barrel Jack Daniels mm-hmm. backed up with Grand Marnier and orange tea, and then about a half an ounce of brown sugar simple syrup. Mm-hmm. Right? We finish it off by toasting an orange, <laughs> dropping it in there, hits you on the nose, nice and smooth, yummy, not too sweet. No, but just, yeah, it's, it's a very nice, smooth, it's a very well balanced drink. Yeah, for sure. yeah. It's got. Uh... It's got some really nice flavor to it, and it's pairing with this with this tobacco that we're we're smoking pretty nicely. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to do it for you guys. Cool. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah. See you in about an hour, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're smoking Speakeasy, and um, it's amazing. You know, we've only done that. We opened this tin for this episode, and it's already pretty much gone. Yet it's the first time we're smoking it. We must like it. We must like it a lot. Mm. Our pipes must be exceptionally huge. Yes. So, what? Tell us about uh, Speakeasy again. (laughs) Speakeasy. Um, So, Speakeasy is a take on a traditional Navy blend. It's from um, Cornell and Deal. Um, Part of a series called the Cellar Series. for those of you who aren't fully familiar with Cornell and Deal, we have over 400 different blends 400 of tobaccos. Blends. 400. 400. Um, Are they all in active production? Um, they're, all, they're all in some sort of rotation. Yeah. Okay. So depending on the components that we have at any given time. So things like, for example, Perique is a little bit of a problem at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we have to then prioritize what Perique is going to go into. And so some things we might be out of for a while if we know we need it for something else. Right. Um, but they're all actively in some sort of a rotation. Okay. Yes. Um, and some obviously quantities more than others just based on what it is that you, the listeners and smokers, are enjoying most. Um, so the Cellar Series is... Um, it, it's sort of inspired by old New Orleans. Um, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, the, the, so Jeremy Reeves, who's our master blender over Cornell and Deal, um, has broken down some of all of those blends into particular sorts of series that are all intended to have some similar characteristics, at the same time very different. In this case, the design is some different flavor profiles, but they're all intended to both open and smoke beautifully immediately, or, as the name suggests, to cellar them for a little while. Um, and we even have suggestions on our website of like how long you, you might want to cellar them. I mean, in this case, you can put it down, they're saying 10 to 12 years, and it'll continue to mature. 10 to 12 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know who has that sort of patience, but... Um, how do you gauge... From 
from starting this. I mean, obviously, you know, when when these blends were put together, you obviously didn't you announce this after figuring out that it took a decade to get to its peak. Right. How do you gauge how long something will take to get to its peak? Well, we're not really. I can't say that we're absolutely certain that 10 to 12 years will mean it's going to peak. But the idea being that there will be a continuation of time where the the melding of those tobaccos, in this case also with the rum that's in there, are going to continue to enhance. There's going to be a point of of diminishing returns. They're almost like cigars, right? So you can age them a certain amount of time. After a certain point, they're actually not going to get better. They're actually going to start to fade. Yeah. Um, and so I think the same thing is going to be slightly true. I mean, obviously if you, if you buy a tin and you don't open it and you store it, um, then it shouldn't lose any of its qualities Mm -hmm. in that sort of instance. You're not exposing it to the atmosphere. Right. But after 10 or 12 years, it might not get any better than it is at that point necessarily. Um, but having not tried that yet. We can't really say. Mm. I mean, maybe the peak for this is 22 years. Mm. We won't know for a few more years (laughs) until that happens. So stay tuned for episode two of this. (laughs) How long long do you think Jeremy's beard will be in 22 years? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I... it seems to grow by the day in astonishing proportion. So I, I think he'd be, um, he'll probably trip over it in a year from now. Probably gets extensions. Extensions. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. Oh my Jeremy goodness. too is a really, it's, he's a fan of really, of small pipes. He has an mm-hmm. amazing collection of pipes. A lot of them are small mm-hmm. and, you know, for a guy with a big beard, it's, it could be funny to see. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain there might be one or two that have gotten lost in the beard that he just forgot that he had <laughs> that maybe fell asleep uh-huh. and it just fell in there. A little, mm. little snack for later. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so tell us in, in the first half of the show, um, you said that you would uh, maybe say something about what a Navy blend is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's that's kind of a, a whole genre of pipe tobacco here. Where, where does that come from? How did it come about? Yeah, so the navy, the, the navy <laughs> blends. <laughs> blah, 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 are, are, Third know, time's a charm. Have become very specific. I'll get it right by the fourth go. Um, the you know it's become a very specific and recognized category of tobaccos mm. that is based very much on an old British navy tradition of how they were able to going on long voyages to both preserve the tobacco that they bring with them and at the same time um, be able to package it in a way that made more sense in, in closed quarters. Mm. So having first started um, with you know sort of loose tobaccos and putting them in a burlap sack and realizing that didn't hold them very well, then wrapping this burlap sack in tar to hopefully sort of seal it from the atmosphere, but then, of course, opening up and finding out you're smoking tar. Um, they no one said the British were over. They're trying to take together. That's where they get their wonderful color teeth. <laughs> <laughs> there may be something to that, Dave. Um, at some point... Um, and we can only speculate. I think Dave's <laughs> opinion is that somebody just accidentally, you know, dropped his tobacco in some rum. It's like, oh, this would work. I'll smoke it anyway. Um, 
But, you know, the, the rum back then was much more molasses based. And so it was sort of kind of some sticky sort of stuff. And um, soaking it in the rum allowed it to, I'm not even sure that they were thinking that it, that it would pick up the flavors, mm-hmm. but it would allow you to now condense the cake to into a, a cake and what we now is known as a cake. So taking a bunch of loose tobacco, condensing it in size at the same time, allowing um, that compressed uh, cake to now preserve some of the moisture on the inside. Right. Because most of the surface area is not exposed to the air. Exactly. So the moisture has a lot harder time getting out. Exactly. So on long voyages and not only, um, kept its qualities, but now they could also bring more of it in a smaller space right. and then be able to um, also portion it out for themselves a little bit better on these long voyages by cutting off small bits and what we now call slices or, or flakes. Or flakes yeah. Right. And right. so hence we have navy flakes. Which yep. are flakes from that brick or cake. Exactly. Or plug, whatever you want. Precisely. It. And in the case of speakeasy, we've, we've, We've cut it um, for you, but you then in, into these flakes that then you're able to then rub out into or not. You know, there are plenty of people yeah. who then fold up mm-hmm. and, and put it in their pipe, which is perfectly acceptable way to, to smoke sure. it. Yeah. And in some ways can enhance some of the flavors. Right, Sometimes right. It changes, lighting it can be tougher. changes but. the burn rate yeah, of, the, of the tobacco, which changes your experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is, I, I'll say from personal experience, at least for me. Harder to get lit yes. when you don't do that, but once you get it lit, it's there's really there's really a lot of reward in that. But sure, it really, it's it is yeah. one of those things that takes a little bit to figure out how to pack it right. So True, you must smolder it well. True, but it, it's also you know just from personal experience on the road a lot and driving where I want to smoke a pipe. Mm-hmm. If you've got something that you can just simply sort of fold in half and then in half again and put it into your bowl. Without having to worry about you know you know with one hand and yeah. then just light it, it's a lot easier than than. It's very than true. Yeah, shot, you right? kind of you know with the uh, flakes. I've kind of with my the pipes I'm very familiar with. I can okay. I need that many flakes. Fold it this way. Fold it that way. Stink. And right. I got a whole pipe full mm-hmm. of stuff. It's right. Very, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. What are the nice. kind of flavors you're getting off this, Dave? I'm getting. Um, like a dry fruit from Virginia, and uh, like a citrus tang in the, in the back of my tongue, and I'm getting some spice in the retro hail. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really pleasant. I like it a lot. You so seem lot. really confident in your. Uh, yeah, I've said it three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so you know, let's talk a little bit. We spoke about the cellar series mm-hmm. and what you know um, the navy flake is, but. So specific to this particular blend um, and the components that are in it and how we how we produce it, it's pretty unique, not just to overall um, Navy, but mm-hmm. also in Cornell and Deal. So we start with a Virginia base, and it's a very specific Virginia. So the, the components in here, we've got um, a red Virginia, we have a um, Kentucky-fired, Mm-hmm. And we have Perique. Um, the, the Virginia is particularly interesting in this case because in the Cornell and Deal line, uh-huh. this is the only blend where we use this particular 
leaf. Mm. And it's it, it was almost an accident. So, um, you know, we try and source one particular um, type of a plant and blend as bases um, for our blends. And in trying to source some new um, Virginia, Jeremy Reeves came across these particular uh, plants that were, the best way to describe it is just plain ugly. They okay. were tattered. They were sunspots. Um, they look sort of beaten up, but, you know, he tastes everything because looks can be <laughs> deceiving. And in this case, it's lucky It's lucky for all of us that he did because he found something truly unique. He could tell there was an aroma coming off of the uh, these plants that um, was a little bit surprising to His him. His ancestor must have dropped it in the rum. <laughs> right. Um, they were, they were, it was because it was almost overripe. And so... The best way that I can sort of describe the richness and what can happen, not always, but in this particular case, is like something like bananas, where the bananas, um, you know, once it becomes overripe, it might not be something that you eat. It looks ugly. They're black, but you can smell it in a room, mm -hmm. and it's perfect for baking and banana breads and those sorts of things. It really enhances some so flavors, yeah. you know? And so he suspected that could be the case. And when he smoked it, he realized there was something really special. There was a sweetness and also a tanginess to it that he hadn't had before. And there wasn't a lot of it. And so we bought all of it, knowing that he could do something with it. He wasn't quite sure. It wasn't going to be enough for all of our blends. So we, those of you who are familiar with the small batches that we put out a couple of times a year from mm -hmm. Cornell and Deal and some, you know, between like 500 or 5,000 mm -hmm. tins, um, we do that not just to be sort of coy and cheeky about putting out a small batch, but also because we don't have the tobaccos right, necessarily, right. right? It's a nice way to make something special that you know you don't have a lot for. Exactly. But you we still, still want to use it, it for yeah. something. It's worth sharing and tasting, right. but we can't put into regular production. And right. so that's the base for a Carolina Red Flake, which mm -hmm. you'll see, um, you know, that will come out with when? a new... Well, when? we're hoping in, in October. I know in it's October, being worked on now. Yeah, don't hold me to now. a date. Yes, it don't is. Jeremy's working diligently in the back room at the factory. We have him chained up by the uh, by the ankle, mm. and we're sliding biscuits under there until he gets it right. And not sending back any razors. No razors. No, no razors. No razors. We're saving money on the razors. Not the beard! <laughs> <laughs> if you find some beard clippings in your blends, we apologize. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's this hair? <laughs> uh, um, well, that's just a bane. <laughs> so that particular Virginia... Um, we use for the, for the Carolina Red Flake. There's, right. a, there's a pinch of it in the, in the Briarwork Sweet Tea, which we also manufacture. Okay. And it is the base for Speakeasy. And it's the only Cornell and Dillon blend that uses that particular mm. um, leaf. Um, and it, it changes the complexity um, for not just this one, but anything that you put it in. Because, you get, you know, some of the sort of citrusy notes that mm -hmm. you're getting and um, in the tanginess is a mixture of both that and the Perique. So right. the, the Perique will act differently with this particular, with, with the Kentucky Fired and the, um, and the Virginia. Somehow the Perique is also now change slightly in what we perceive and that you still have some of the, the classic pre spiky spiciness, mm -hmm. but spikiness. there's a spikiness. 
That's spiky. (laughs) (laughs) But a slightly tangy aspect to it also. Right. And so hopefully as we smoke this, we're going to get a few different layers, especially Mm. like on the retrohale. It's going to be a base of of smokiness from the the, uh, dark fire. Mm, mm. And then you get the sweetness, the extra sweetness from this Virginia, Mm. and then that spice from the Perique. Uh, and then, of course, so once all that is done, once the, the tobacco part, blending part is done, we then add rum. We don't do any artificial flavorings of Cornell and Dial. We actually take some rum. We don't soak it and make it really wet and then pull it out. We put in enough so that it, um, it I don't want to say it infuses flavor, but the tobacco absorbs that flavor mm-hmm. until the point that the rum itself has evaporated. And at that point during that process, it also tends to darken and become a little bit more closely molasses like. So that extra, that extra sweet, uh, tanginess from that type of, of rum infusion is, is, uh, is also prevalent here. Mm. All right. So when does this stuff, at what point does this stuff get pressed? Into the cakes is is it when it's still wet with the rum, or is it given time to dry out and then pressed together in your super duper hand cranked presses? So after after the the rum evaporates, it still leaves some moisture in the tobacco from the basic properties, including the perique in there, which is naturally fairly wet tobacco, mm-hmm. um, and so it still has moisture like qualities but it's mm-hmm. not it's not wet per se mm-hmm. um the it's at that point that it goes into an enormous cast iron um it, it gets shaped in a sort of a tray and then hand cranked down and left there until it all solidifies into one big giant block okay. which we then cut mm-hmm. into squares and some of our blends you'll actually in the tins you'll see the actual mm-hmm. square and then you cut it off yourself in this case we then cut it into squares and then cut those squares into thin uh, flakes. Right. Awesome. Um, so one of the things that, that I wanted to ask you listening to all this was the whole um, Perique process. Because that's, that's something that is – Perique isn't a tobacco that's grown. It's really something that's made out of early, right? And Correct. That, that, right. What's a little bit about that process? Yeah, so that's really unique and it's – it's something so fascinating to the pipe tobacco world, different from, you know, cigars or anything else that we smoke. We have these different, you, you can take the base um, leaves and then process them in different sorts of ways, whether it's Latakia or in this case, Perique, where you're taking Burley um, in specifically one place in St. John's Parish, Louisiana, mm. one gentleman, Mark Ryan, runs that whole process. Um, and it's obviously proprietary, but he takes the burley and he packs it into old whiskey barrels. Mm. And under very extreme pressure, he adds some moisture to it, very extreme press- pressure, then leaves those for three months' time. And if you go to visit, you'll see the moisture leaks out. I mean, it's sort of a messy, icky, smelly process. You think there's nothing good that's going to come out of this thing, right? <laughs> and it, it, 
what it are you begin, doing, Matt? <laughs> it begins to ferment, and then those barrels get opened up. The leaves are all separated. They're allowed to air out a little bit. Then they're pressed again. Some more moisture is added to it, left for another three months. This happens three different times. Wow. And in the end, you come out with something you hope is going to be the perique that we know. Yeah. Um, and it's such an inexact process because, of course, in those barrels, you don't know exactly what's happening. And right. you don't know what the a- outside atmosphere is going to be. So if you have particularly warm or cold weather or really moist air, it could mm-hmm. affect what's happening in the barrels. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, he, it's part of what makes perique special and also makes it sort of perilous to make mm-hmm. uh, because if you set, say, 50 barrels – Nine months later, you open it up. You're not exactly sure what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, all of them are going to be useful in one way or another. Mm-hmm. But in our case, because we, we want to maintain consistency you're with all of our blends, we're looking for a particular barrel. So in any given time, we will buy X amount of barrels out of each batch that he's mm-hmm. making. And then once that process is done, Jeremy will go down and out of those X barrels, we see that maybe a small percentage from Mark's perspective aren't going to be appropriate. And what's left over, Jeremy will then look through and taste and say, these are okay for us. So you could start with, you know, just to pick a number, say 20 barrels that you're expecting Mm -hmm. and end up with maybe eight. That actually work for us. Okay. Um, and that, you know, could be different for, you know, other people who are blending with Perique. I don't know what they're, they're looking for in their Perique. Sure. But we're very specific about what we do. We want, the, we want you to have the Perique that we feel is representative of our brand and what we think Perique should be. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. So that, that is really wild that it takes nine months. To, to produce that stuff. It's crazy, yeah, right? It's, that's and crazy. Nuts. And it's not it's not just a li- like they closed a barrel. I mean, there is tons of pressure put on oh, top yeah. of these barrels. Right. It's a crazy amount of pressure. It is. It's re- in, in a way, you think of it as labor intensive, but also not because you're not doing a whole lot right. with it at the time. You sort of, you know, you seal it, lock the door and go, cross your fingers and go, okay, I hope when I open this up, it's yeah, what no I'm expecting it job. to be. No, no stress <laughs> at all, right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, the the old, maybe the only more stressful is Latakia where mm. you're, you know, you're burning on, you know, uh, uh, basically charcoal for six months time and hoping that somebody doesn't fall asleep in the middle of the night <laughs> and your old crop goes up on fire. Yeah, right. that, that's that's a that's a whole other process there. Jeez, um, I'm really, you know, and uh, you know, Perique is one of the things that I really pick up, especially in the retro hail with this. It has that kind of nice raisiny kind of spice to it, a little bit of pepper. Mm-hmm. to it yep. not a whole lot though I mean you know the predominant thing for me is that kind of molasses kind of sweetness that comes from the uh, Virginias there and that dark uh, Kentucky you can really taste that smoky it adds yeah, like a smoky campfire. rich yeah. kind of layer to it it's very yeah. very good yeah it has some subtleties as if you especially you know with this lovely drink that's been prepared for us um, you can it you know, obviously, if you're just relaxing, have a conversation as we are, you're not paying as close attention to necessarily what you're smoking and you're tasting. But for you, those of you at home, if you're trying speakeasy, 
if you allow yourself the time to really sort of pay attention to it, I think you'll pick up you'll pick up the obvious things that that both of you have suggested in the smokiness and the retro hail, but um, the also subtle hints of not just fruit, but sort of like dried fruits. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, the one that I sort of think of is is apricot, and maybe yeah. even some sort of a. Like somewhere, you say raisin, and I think somewhere between a grape and a raisin, like right, not yeah. like a ripe raisin, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. exactly. And and you know, it's funny because I also I was thinking, well, there's almost a nuttiness, but not a nuttiness exactly. Mm-hmm. More like almost, and I don't know if this is going to resonate with you guys, but like um, I want to say, mm-hmm. what's that? Like caraway seed type mm-hmm. of a thing, um, like. Where it has its, it's not quite spicy, but mm-hmm. it is spicy. I don't know, some sort yeah. of layer there that I like on my tongue. I, I, I get to that afterwards. It's almost for me. I'm, it's it's there's almost like a figgy quality. Mm. Oh yeah, right. Almost a figgy quality, and um, um, but it's it's very very nice. And every once in a while, I get this real citrusy lemony kind of zest it's like a sweet heat yeah 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 like a citrusy kind of uh, of heat and a I, sweet heat that's yeah that's sweet interesting heat. yeah and that that's a combination you're saying of of this particular virginia leaf right and the perique right and what that. happened what happens to that perique when you put it with this leaf in the burley now let me let me ask you something. you said that uh jeremy bought all of that ugly leaf mm-hmm. when he when he smoked it Thank you, Jesus, for smoking. And, but is that something? Was and you made it almost sound like that leaf was a mistake. Did he? Is it something he's able to continue buying the ugly stuff, or is the ugly stuff that he bought all that there is? It's all that there was. It's not to say he won't be able to stumble across it again. He spends a lot of it when he's not blending. He is going to the growers and the producers to find out what their crops are looking like now. And so there's always the chance that you're going to stumble across something, if not exactly the same, that's similar, or that <laughs> might become a whole again. different, you know, sort of a blend. Um, you know, some of it is just is becomes a little bit accidental and you get lucky yeah. finding something like this. And it's why, again, we have to be careful because we want to be able to produce this stuff. And we want to also be able to continue to do things like Carolina red flake. Right. Um, but we just can't do it in quantity. I can't tell you. I, I don't even know. Jeremy hasn't even told me how much that we actually have. Mm. So I don't know how long that that will last. Okay. So, you know, that stuff runs out. You know, it, does that mean Speakeasy then goes away because they don't have the tobaccos to do that? Or will he try and find something He'll try that, and find, that yeah, matches it? Exactly. He'll continue to either... Um, stumble across or try and find a producer that can that can somehow replicate it so that there can be continuity mm. which would be great because it means that when we could possibly make other blends uh, in the future um, that also have this without having to worry about what we have in stock that's awesome fantastic um, what happened to Paul Paul just went into the void. Funny, I didn't even notice he wasn't here. Wow. I thought he was just being quiet. Yeah. He's actually gone. Yeah. Kind of like Batman. 
Speaking mm. of Batman, where where'd Nick go? I don't know. Just yeah, Nick's gone, Nick's gone too. Nick's gone too. We're decreasing in number. We started with five. We're dropping like flies. What's going on? Yep, it just up in smoke. <laughs> and that's not just blowing smoke. <laughs> well, what's what's our final verdict here on the um, Speakeasy by Cornell and Deal? Um, well, I like it. It would definitely. Um, I can see me smoking this like uh, on a daily basis. I like it a lot. It's really nice. I love the the, the dried fruit. I love this this the sweet heat of it is most attractive with like this mixture of campfire in there. It's it's just you just keep picking out new things with it as it goes on, and I think it's just uh, it's a, it's an amazing blend. You know, one of the things I like about it is that. You know, it seems to get more and more complex as you go down through the bowl. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm I'm picking up more of that sweetness now. And, um, you know, that that molasses kind of sweetness, earthy, smoky. You get that that really ripe fruit kind of notes in the in the background. And the, the spice is just really great in the in the retro hail. I can uh, like you Dave I can see this being an all day smoke medium bodied right straight yeah. medium yeah I would say you know, medium bodied it's uh, yeah. very very nice very approachable and um, I highly recommend it it's very very good yeah I think it's the sort of thing that can make it into if not your daily rotation certainly into some sort of regular rotation mm-hmm. um you know, there's not a ton of nicotine in it for those who are a little bit sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. It's not overly sweet if you're sensitive to that. Right. Um, I think there's something to find um, in, in you know, most flavor profiles that um, those are for, you know, for guys or gals who are smoking and tend to stay away from certain things or lean towards certain things. I don't think there's anything you like that at least I can identify in here that would, that anybody would say, Oh, it has too much of that or it has, you know, too little of this. It's not to my taste. Mm-hmm. It can kind of work with a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And especially with what you're drinking it with too. You know, right. I feel like there's a lot of things that can just bring out a whole different character of it. You know, it's a, it's a really, it's such a well-balanced blend that you could really mix it with like a lot of things. Yeah. Well, I can tell you it works really go with Hen- good with Hendrix Gin and Tonic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One personal experience there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. We, um, you know, we try very hard to um, produce blends that... Um, everybody can smoke and find something specific in. Um, and so I appreciate your, your having me on board to talk about this and, and just pipes and tobaccos in general. It's been a ton of fun. Um, the cigar side was, was great. We had a really good smoke and and mix there. Um, (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks for being with us, Mark. We really appreciate it. Thank you. No, Appreciate thank you. Um, you have been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twin Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, Not Just Blowing Smoke, and keep in touch with us 
on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Thanks for listening. And that is Not, not just, just Blowing, blowing smoke. smoke. Woo!